Well, good morning. Here we are. It is summertime. I missed that last week because I think it was last Sunday was the first official day of summer, right? We'll feel it again this week, guaranteed. But uh, man, other side of the country, be grateful that our temperatures are under 100, (laughs) right? (laughs) Gene's sister from Arizona, wow, man. 108, woo, boy, yeah. I remember that when I was in India. Oh, man, goodness, that was something. Well, it's great to have you here almost July, and and, uh, boy, uh, I can't believe, as we say, time is flying, and uh, 4th of July next week, a week from today, and don't forget the fireworks Tuesday night, or third, I'll get it, Friday night out at the middle school, and uh, things look like they're getting back a little bit to normal, so that's great news. Now, let me ask you this morning, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied? Now, you may say, what do you mean by that? Well, there are a lot of ways that we could go. Well, maybe it's a, a response that you would give to, in answer to that question, uh, a response of annoyance, because you agree to do something that you really didn't want to do, right? Like uh, maybe cut the grass. And um, so, okay, okay, I'll cut the grass after I get home from work. And so you get home from work, cut the grass, and after you're done, you walk in, and and I hope it's not to your wife, because my wife doesn't ask me that usually about cutting the grass. But you say, okay, are you satisfied? Right? Been there? Or how about your... Your kids or grandkids, we just took care of three of our grandkids for like five or six days while their uh, mom and dad were away celebrating their anniversary, and, and it's one of those deals that's kind of warning them when they're getting a little bit wild and crazy, and of course for us old people, that maybe happens sooner than usual, right? And, and then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, you need to settle down or something's going to get broken, and of course, things keep going, and and sure enough, crash, bang, boom, you hear it and you go running to the noise and something is broken. Well, are you satisfied? Right? And, and we could go on and on with all kinds of scenarios about that, but without any annoyance or any sarcasm or, or any other emotion, simply put, are you satisfied today? How's life? Uh, how are things with your family? Uh, are things good with your job? How's school? School's over, but what about next year? What about those of you who graduated? And what are your, how's that going? Is your marriage everything you wanted it to be? Are you happy with your life? Are you walking with God? Are you becoming more like Jesus? How's your time alone with God each morning or evening, whenever you choose to do that? Are you satisfied? Now, maybe you are satisfied, maybe too satisfied, and maybe that's more of the problem. Um... Maybe without realizing, you're experiencing a a complacent and comfortable self-satisfaction. 
And uh, we, we sometimes get there. Well, let me ask you as we begin this morning, what thoughts come to mind when you read this statement? If God shows up, great. If not, that's okay. How does that strike you? If God shows up, great. But if not, that's okay. Listen, it's not okay. It's absolutely not okay. If you are spiritually numb, you're you're not feeling anything spiritually. If you're comfortable with the status quo, if maybe you're distracted, maybe there's a dissatisfaction by the result of an inward focus. Maybe you're not on mission. Maybe you're not growing. If God is not showing up and you're okay with it, maybe you're just too satisfied and are missing all that God has for you. Paul has an answer to that concern. And we're going to look at that this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and if you'd open your Bibles there or scroll down to your tablet or phone, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 19 to 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23, and let me read those uh, for you. Follow along with me in your copy of, uh, of the Word of God. Verse 19, 1 Corinthians 9, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some." I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Wow, great text. You know, we become self-satisfied. We become spiritually numb. We miss the sensing of the Spirit of God in our hearts when our eyes are on ourselves. Listen, we've just come out of the season, the year, the 12 to 15 months that without realizing it, we just turned our eyes and interests and attentions inward, right? I mean, that's just the way the world was all around us. I mean, for a while, nobody went anywhere. We all hunkered down at home and it was there and we had a lot of time to think about ourselves, 
whether we were going to get COVID or not, whether we would stay healthy, whether somebody who we knew that was sick would get better, or, or how would they handle that? And then as the time progressed, uh, what about masks, and what about the vaccination, and what about my job? Am I going to keep my job? Am I going to be let go? Am I going to be laid off? Uh, are they going to buy me out? Uh, what about school? When are we going to get out of the hybrid? And that was in and out for those of you at both uh, elementary, high school, middle school, college levels. It was nobody knew what was going on and things were changing, it seemed, all the time. And, and, and what about this? What about our vacation? Can we do that? We didn't get to do that last year. Can we do that this year? And, and on and on and on we could go. And, and our focus was thinking about us. How are we going to spend all that stimulus money? <laughs> in focused, Paul says in these verses here today that we must get our eyes on others. Specifically, those who need to know Jesus. And as we read these verses, and as you think them through, that's where Paul was focused. That's what was driving his whole thought process, his life, his thinking, his words, his actions. That's what concerned him. And he's basically saying we need to focus our lives on winning others to Christ. Paul makes three statements that, uh, that, that back up that thought. Focus your life on winning others to Christ. You know what happens? The more we think about the need of others, the need of others for Jesus, we don't have time to think about ourselves. We don't have time to get wrapped up in our own concerns. and We've got to get our eyes off of ourselves and, and with all of the self-focus and self-attention that COVID has brought our way, it's time for us folks to get our eyes on those all around us who need Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. Now, he's not saying that because of COVID. He's saying that because it's been true all along and it'll be true until Jesus comes again. So three statements that Paul makes. First in verse 19, he says this, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Verse 19, look at it. He begins, though I am free and belong to no one. Paul was a free man. He was free as a Roman citizen, but he was also free in Christ because of his salvation. Because Jesus had come to him on the road to Damascus, right? And, and, and had saved him, had opened his eyes and his heart to his need for Jesus. And Paul responded and he was freed from his sin. And he says, I am free and belong to no one. Paul just made that point in the first 18 verses of chapter 9. In fact, he starts verse 1 of chapter 9 with that, am I not free? Yes, he was, and he says it here again, though I am free and belong to no one. And, and he had Christian liberty, 
But in his mind and heart as he says that, we saw that in chapter 8. We saw that last week in the beginning of chapter 9. It wasn't freedom to do anything Paul wanted to do. It was freedom to serve people in any way he could to win them to Christ. That's what we see in the verses here today. That's what Paul says. I am free to do whatever I need to, want to, that people may be one to Jesus Christ. And all because, he said, I am the Lord's slave because I'm, I'm no longer a slave to sin or Satan. I am free to serve Jesus. And he says, then I've made myself a slave to everyone. Wow. That's quite a statement. Paul doesn't have to do anything for anybody. But he says... I have made myself a slave to everyone. I willingly place myself at the service of everyone, of all people. Why would he do that? He answers that question. To win as many as possible. Now you say, wait a minute, that just doesn't make sense. Wait, he makes himself a slave to everyone? In other words, anybody's wish or whim, they ask him to do something, anything, and, and, and he's going to just do it? Well... The condition there is to win as many as possible. So that's how Paul says, I'm a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. I'll do anything to win as many as possible. That's what he's saying. Now, what are we talking about there? That word win. In in some translations, the word would be gain. The word win or gain in these next few verses is used five times. You can read it. Go through your Bible and circle each of those times that he says that. And the primary meaning of that word win or to gain in these verses is about conversion. is about coming to Jesus Christ by faith in him. And his finished work on the cross. It is about winning people to Christ. That's what Paul is saying. That I may win people to Jesus. That I may see them come to know Jesus. That I may see them get saved. That's what's just taking up every thought out in his head and every word out of his mouth, every action, every attitude is his thought about people who need to be one to Jesus. And as he says there, to win as many as possible. He doesn't say one, I'll just satisfied with one, or he doesn't just say a few. He says that I might win more. That's his heartbeat. For those who don't know Jesus, for those who don't have a relationship with God by faith in what Jesus did on the cross, when he died on the cross, in our place, for our sin. And he's talking about that very thing he's saying, to win as many as possible. That doesn't sound like Paul is satisfied. Remember, Paul started the church in Corinth. He went there and and there was no church. Paul planted the church. 
Paul spread the gospel, he went first to the synagogue. We read about that in Acts chapter 18. Go back sometime and review that text and see what Paul went through to plant that church, to start that church, to reach people for Christ, Jews and Gentiles who came to Jesus and began that church. And he still is saying, he's saying, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible, to win more, to gain more for the glory of God. Paul's not satisfied. He's not comfortable. He's not complacent. And he does that as a servant of God. Back in chapter 3, you might remember, back in chapter 3 and verse 5, the whole text about the various parts or, or roles that each believer plays in bringing people to Christ. And he says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? And here it is, only servants through whom you came to believe. Only servants through whom you came to believe. Paul was a servant of God who was used to give out the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, and God used him to bring people to Christ, to win people for Christ. I have made myself a slave to everyone. Secondly, he says, I've become all things to all people. In verses 20 to 22, verses 20 to 22, verse 20, he says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. He's talking about Jews. Now, he refers to them in two different ways. He says, to the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. He's talking about those who were ethnic Jews, those who were born that way. Paul was. But then he repeats himself. It, it appears to those under the law, I became like un, one under the law. He wants to make it clear now that, that those Jews were the ones under the law. There are those who would also say that he's referring, referring to Gentile proselytes who, who would have adopted the Jewish religion. And so those are the ones that voluntarily put themselves under the law. Either way, he's talking about Jews and, and even Jewish proselytes who were living under the law. That's what they were responsible to do. The Old Testament Mosaic law with all of its 600 and I think 13 commandments. Though Paul says, I'm not under the law. No more. He used to be before he came to know Jesus. But he's no longer under the law. But he would choose to serve the Jews so that he could win them by being involved in some of the Jewish practices. He put himself willingly at times under the law, not in the sense that he used to be before he came to know Jesus, not in any way that would compromise the truth of the gospel, but that would allow him to continue to connect with, identify with, relate to the Jews so as to win them. So there were times when he would observe the dietary rules, the kosher foods. And he would, with the Jews, that's what he would eat. 
There were times when he would observe the Sabbath as they had, not in the sense that it gains any ground in obedience to God or as a way of gaining favor or grace with God, but just as a means of identifying with those Jews who needed Jesus. Circumcision was one that, that he would do. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, in verse 3, if you want to look at that or just write it down, and, and I'll read that for you, but Acts chapter 16 and verse 3, Paul did this. Verse 1 of 16, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy, right? You all remember Timothy? Some of you do. He's the one who wrote, that Paul wrote to for first and second Timothy. That's the same Timothy. And, and who lived with his, whose mother was Jewish and a believer whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Verse 3, Paul wanted to take Timothy along on the journey, a missionary journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. In order to have a ministry... With the Jews, Paul had Timothy get circumcised. Why? Because they were going to be ministering to them. And those Jews knew that his father was a Greek, so he wanted to do that. But it wasn't for the same reasons. It wasn't because there was any effect of grace or obedience to the law. It was a means of identification with the Jews. Why? So that they could be effective in winning them to Jesus. Some of you might remember Becca, girl who stayed with us on and off for the last, I don't know, what, four years, sweetie? And uh, who, is, who is serving um, as an assistant dean of women in a Word of Life Bible Institute somewhere around the world. And, and, and we've talked with her and, 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 and the country she happens to be in are, are requiring vaccinations and, and, um, and she's not sure about it but she wanted to go on a mission trip this summer and travel and was willing to do that even though, and, and again folks, I'm not making any statement here about vaccinations or no vaccinations. It's just the way it was and some people don't like shots and and, and it's like, uh, but she wanted, that she was going to do, why? Because she wanted to serve God on that mission trip this summer. Willing to do whatever to the Jews becoming a Jew. Well, Paul goes on. We could find other, Acts 21, if you want to check that out. We won't turn there, but verses 20 to 26, Paul joined four Nazarites in purification rites. Read the story, and you'll see that it was to gain credibility with Jews so that they could minister to them. We're told why? So as to win those under the law. That's what we've been saying five times 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24 tells us five times Paul was beaten with 39 lashes. 40 minus 1 is how it's worded. Now how would that be? By the Jews, it says. We don't know exactly what that is, but there are many who believe it had to do with him being in a synagogue and maybe not following through, maybe proclaiming the gospel, and as a result, 
he was taken out, and five times he received 39 lashes. Why would he do that? Because he wanted to reach Jews for Christ. Check out Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Write it down, the first four verses. Romans chapter 9 and the first four verses. Paul says this, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Paul is saying, I would be accursed and cut off from Christ so they could be one to Christ. Wow, what a heart. Chapter 10, verse 1. He says, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. And Paul was a missionary, an apostle called of God to the Gentiles. But because he was a Jew also, he had a heart for them. He was concerned about lost people. No matter what their ethnicity, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. If some of you remember that Sunday school song we used to sing long ago. To those not having, verse 21, to those not having the law became like one not having the law Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. That's what God called him to do. But he was an ethnic Jew. So for him to give up some of those practices, even as a believing Jew, as an ethnic Jew, to join Gentiles in their lifestyle. Now, be careful. We'll get to that in just a minute, the all things to all men. But he didn't force the law on the Gentiles. He would eat with the Gentiles. And, and that meant violating some of the dietary rules that he grew up with, that he knew were no longer an obligation on his part because he'd been saved by grace through faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross. But he would still partake with them. In fact, you could study through Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, when Paul had to confront Peter to his face because Peter would eat with the Gentiles in, in, in the area of the churches of Galatia until some of the big-shot Jewish leaders from the church in Jerusalem came down. And when what Paul says, Peter, you were eating with the Jews, you were hanging, or the Gentiles, hanging out with the Gentiles until those big-shot Jewish guys, leaders came from Jerusalem, and all of a sudden you stopped. That's hypocrisy. And his hypocrisy was so bad it even affected Barnabas. And Paul called him on it. Why? Because some of the Jews wouldn't appreciate a saved Jew like Peter or Paul eating with the Gentiles. But, but that was the problem. And Paul had no trouble for the right reasons. Consistently ministering to Gentile people even if it meant sitting and eating with them. 
Paul, but Paul isn't free from God's laws, the moral laws, but under the law of Christ. You see, it wasn't that he could just and would do everything and anything that an unsaved Gentile would do. No. He was still under the law of Christ. He was still under God's moral laws. What was that law of Christ? Well, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 tells us what it was. He says in, in verses 11 or 13 and 14, Galatians 5, 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. He's talking to the Gentiles. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's what he's talking about. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. He goes down to chapter 6, verse 2 of Galatians. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's the law Paul was saying he was now under. Yes, he was under all God's moral laws, but he was under the law of Christ to love one another. Fulfill the law of Christ by loving one another. That's what Paul meant. Why? Why would he do that? Well, the Gentiles weren't under the law. They weren't under any law. But he would become like a Gentile. Why? So that, verse 21, so as to win those not having the law. And again, Servants through whom you came to believe. That's what Paul was. He was a servant that God used to proclaim the gospel and God used him to bring those Gentiles, those who weren't living under the law, to Jesus. And then he says, verse 22, to the weak I became weak to win the weak. Now this is one of those difficult sections in this passage of verses because there's various perspective on well what does the weak mean we know in chapter 8 we just read weak had to do with those believers who had a weak conscience who who didn't have the faith to eat the meat sacrificed to idols you remember that we went through that read back through chapter 8 and were those who had the knowledge who they knew there was one God, all the idols, there were none, those weren't real gods, and, and, and the, they could eat, they could eat, you know, enjoy. Drop a little barbecue sauce on it while you're at it. That meat offered to idols. But there were other believers who were like, that was meat offered to idols. We, 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 can't, we can't do that. And so Paul said, then don't eat. And furthermore, when I'm with them, I won't eat. If it means causing them to sin, if it means causing them to, to stumble, to be tripped up by what I do, then I won't eat meat. So is it that weak? No, I don't believe so. I don't believe it's that weak because in the context of what Paul's talking about, he's talking about winning and saving those who do not know Jesus. He's talking about the need to get the gospel to people who need to know Jesus. So in this context, I don't believe it's the weak in that those who knew Jesus but had a weak conscience of 1 Corinthians 8. So who are the weak? Well, look at the text here. 
in 1 Corinthians 9. Look at the verses. Look at, just follow right down through with it. In verse 20, to the Jews I became like a Jew. Some text, some translation would read, to the Jew I became as a Jew to win the Jews. Look then, he goes on, to those, right in the middle of that, uh, to those under the law, I became like one or as one under the law. Verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like or as one not having the law. But look at verse 22. To the weak, I became weak. He doesn't say to the weak, I became like the weak. To the weak, I became as the weak. He doesn't say that. He says to the weak, I became weak. Not like or as, simply, if you read it this way, to the weak, weak. And he's not stuttering. He's just saying, I actually became weak. For the sake of the weak. Now still, so, so what is he talking about? Well, because of that structure, I, there, there could very well have been a social implication uh, in that a lower status, a manual labor. Paul, remember, built the case last week, the first 18 verses of chapter 9, that he had the right to earn a living. He had the right for the church to pay him as he gave the gospel, but he chose not to to exercise that right, and instead he was a tent maker. Again, Acts 18 tells us that when the church began. So he became a manual labor to some people. That wasn't a good thing. But to other manual labors, again, it was Paul identifying with them. But more than just a status likeness, he said, I became weak, weak as ungodly without Jesus. Theologically speaking, Look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, or just write it down. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, and Paul says this, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless. Some translations read, the New American Standard reads helpless. The ESV reads weak. You see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, helpless, weak. Look, Christ died for the ungodly. Paul would identify with those on the social scale lower than low, as we might say. Those who were in poverty, those who didn't have any means, those who were manual laborers, those who were at the bottom of the, the bottom rung of the ladder. Paul identified with them. Why? So as to win the weak. Paul was that burdened for lost people. That's what he's talking about. And then he says this, I have become, verse 22, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Five times he used the word win, he gets to verse 22, and he says the word save. Sixth time, Paul talking about reaching people for Jesus. That's what, as we say, frosted his flakes. That's what fired him up. That's how he wanted to spend his time 
becoming a slave to everyone so as to win people to Christ. Becoming all things to all people. Why? That he may save some. That he may win more to Jesus. That is what drove Paul. Now this verse is often misunderstood and misquoted and applied incorrectly. Paul did not mean when in Rome do as the Romans do. It's not what he was saying. I become all things to all men. We typically think of the worst kind of a thing that we could do and say, see, I could do that. No, that's, that's not what Paul is saying. He's talking about, he already said, I'm still under God's moral law. I'm still under the law of Christ, the law to love my neighbor as myself. And so because of that, he didn't say, I became like a thief so as to win the thieves. He didn't say, I became like an adulterer so as to win the adulterers. He didn't say, I became like the gamblers so as to win the gamblers. He didn't say, I became like the prostitutes so as to win the prostitutes. That's not what Paul's saying by any means. He's saying, I became all things. I was like a Jew for the Jews. I was like uh, one without the law, a Gentile to reach them. I, I, was, I was a weak person. I, I would put myself down on that social ladder, but more so with those ungodly people to win them. Ultimately, I will do anything. I will become all things, anything I can to reach people who need Jesus. That's what Jesus did. I had never thought about that. And I'm reading, and, and, and I see a cross-reference to Philippians 2 and verse 6. Right away, I'm like, that is, that's what Jesus did. Look at it. This is what we call the kenosis passage. You'll, you'll, you may recognize this when we get there. Ephesians chapter 2, and, and, and it starts in verse 5 or 6. And it's talking about have the same mindset as Christ, verse 5, verse 6, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. God becoming man. That's what he did, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's what Jesus did. And in order for Paul to be like Jesus, he's saying, I will do whatever is necessary to reach people for Jesus. One writer put it this way, the principle that Paul outlines here is simply this, he shares the condition of those to whom he ministers so as to be conformed to the pattern of his Lord. See, I hear people over the years have said, well, that's not my spiritual gift or that's not what God's called me to or I'm just not that bold. Uh, I'm more shy and bashful. That's got nothing to do with our responsibility to tell people about Jesus, folks. Paul, really, 
in his love for lost people was becoming more like Jesus. No, I'm not suggesting that he, Paul went to the cross. No, I'm not saying that. But Jesus didn't look at his godness as something to be taken advantage of and became a man. Why? To win us. And then third statement he makes, verse 23, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. Wow. All that I do here, all that I've talked about, this is the complete opposite of being spiritually numb, of being comfortable, of being satisfied. You see, what Paul is describing is gospel-centered living. It drives us, everything we do. When he says that I may share in its blessings, he's talking about partaking jointly. That's the word. Really comes from that fellowship word, koinonia. Cooperating in the activity of the gospel to be part of the salvation of another individual because God used you or I as a servant. is sharing in the blessings of the gospel. Folks, I got to tell you, there is nothing more joy-producing, more heart-thrilling, nothing that will stand the hairs on on your neck. Is that just a guy thing? I don't know. You get what I'm saying. Nothing that will get those goosebumps all over your body than when you have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody who doesn't know Christ and they believe. That's what Paul's talking about. That's his focus. And we run around all inwardly directed. What about this? What about that? I don't like that. And how come this? How come that? You know what? When we're focused like Paul, when that's the driving desire of our hearts, we don't have to, it won't even enter our thinking. To win as many as possible. I'm doing everything I can for the sake of the gospel. That's what Paul says. How about it this morning? So what will you do to win as many as possible? What will you do to win more? What will you do to win some, to save some? What are you willing to do in sharing the gospel? I don't have this down, folks, and and man, I'll tell you, it's hard. But I've determined I, I, have to, I have to intentionally talk to people about Jesus. And so I've got to get out of the church bubble. I live and work in this building. And it's easy for me to go all kinds of time without seeing people who don't know Jesus. That's why I'm a police chaplain. I go to Brown's gym. They just raise their prices during the whole COVID thing. I'm like... I said to Jane, I'm like, what What in the world? 
I think they need business. Why are they raising the prices? And we'd already prayed through that we'll make that sacrifice and pay to go there so I can reach people and get to know people. That's, that's what I've chosen to do. I'm not saying that makes me right and you wrong or you right and me wrong or whatever. It, I'm just, that's one of the things that God's put in my heart. And God is allowing me opportunities. I got to be where people are. You may have heard me say it. I've told people I go there too so I can hear the F word on a regular basis. Because I don't hear it around here. Usually. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Just. You understand that? What are we willing to do to reach lost people? Are we intentionally building relationships? Those three statements that Paul makes in these verses, here it is. I, I have made myself a slave to everyone. Have you? I become all things to all people. Are we? I do all this for the sake of the gospel. Why? So that I win more, that I may save some. As many as possible. Not everybody will respond and believe, but some will. For the sake of the gospel, what are you doing to make Christ attractive to others? And when I say that, don't give me that, oh, that's seeker sensitive, that's baloney. The real seeker-sensitive stuff is not what I'm talking about. Oh, that we would be more sensitive to people seeking. But may they want to know what we have to offer because they see something in us that, that attracts them that says, wow, what, why are you like that? What is it about you? It's Jesus. That was Paul's heart and if you're satisfied too satisfied or dissatisfied get your eyes on people who need Jesus and you'll have joy like you can't match in any other way that will beat the daylights out of the fireworks Friday night out of the middle school. So what do we do? You know, I just found out this week there's a concert every Wednesday night this summer down at the Hillside Park. Say, well, I don't like that music. I don't even know what kind of music it is. There are some that would like... <laughs> but you know what? Jane and I were talking, wouldn't it be great to go just to get to know people in our community? Who need Jesus? No matter what kind of music it is. Why? Because I'm willing to be a slave to all so as to win some. That's what drove Paul and that's what ought to drive us. Father, thank you for, for these verses. Thank you for the testimony. Thank you that Paul made it clear 
that we need to be about reaching people, that we need to be about actively, intentionally doing whatever we can so that we can win some, so that some will be saved. Oh, God, burden our hearts. And if there are any here today who do not know Jesus, who when they hear this truth this morning are like, what are you talking about? Oh, God, stir their heart. Bring conviction about sin. Cause them to see that Jesus died for them. He took their place and he did it for their sins so that they could be forgiven by the Almighty God so that they can stand righteous before God with a guarantee of eternal life. God, don't let these words of yours go in one ear and out the other. Just really quick, God, let them resonate in our minds and our hearts like they did with Paul. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Folks, have a great 4th of July week and look for people who need Jesus. See ya.